What is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We are on episode 73. Tyler Toffoli of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major uh, news in the NHL, mostly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, who we're going to talk about today. But I can talk about any of the 32 teams in the NHL. And what do we have on tap today? Well, like I said, we're talking about the Flames who are on freaking free fall right now. We got some New Jersey news. We got Carolina talk, Florida, and a legend has finally retired from the NHL. So let's dive into it. Let's get sad off the bat here. So we have an absolutely tragic, tragic story coming out of, I believe it's the England Hockey League regardless. Uh, A tragic accident happened over there. Adam Johnson uh, passes away after a freak accident on the ice that took place. So um, it was a very freak play. It was uh, a a terrible, terrible accident, but... uh, uh, a play was going down, a player bumped into another player, his leg went up, and it caught Adam Johnson in the neck, and yeah, sadly he was not able to get saved from that injury, and he passed away uh, there on the ice, so that's just, couldn't believe it, man, honestly, that was, I mean, you know, the way that the sport is, you're I'm a little bit surprised like this hasn't happened more, but thankfully it hasn't. But this is probably the worst one that I've remembered. I remember watching the Richard Zegnick one. I was watching that game when that went down. That was horrible. <clears throat> there was the goaltender that that got ran into, and that was horrible. I, I saw all of that. I saw the video of Adam Johnson. It, it's out there. I wouldn't recommend watching it. It's it. You know, I watched it just so I could see what was going on. It, it's probably one of the more violent just uh nasty collisions that I've seen it's so fast it happens so fast and that's the way of the game but now after that tragedy obviously you know we're we're hoping for everybody involved I mean the fans that had to see it hopefully they're okay hopefully the 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 fans the the players the teammates the everyone involved everyone in that organization hopefully they're doing okay I mean I can I can't imagine what they're what they're probably going through after something like that. But now the big question is, uh, do we need to start implementing uh, the the neck guards, uh, mandating that as as a a thing that every all the players should be wearing? And you know that's not something that's going to happen overnight. They're going to have to talk a lot and, and vote and do all that stuff uh, when it comes to the NHL. Now they can implement that hopefully as soon as possible into the juniors the the kids leagues and stuff like that you would never i would never want to hear anything like like this happening in a in a minor league or anything like that so i'm not into that i don't have kids or anything so i don't know what they're wearing or what the regulations and everything are with that but hopefully they're implementing uh good safety precautions and stuff like that i know they have um some of the uh, slash resistant uh, like arm guards and, and shot blockers on your skates and stuff like that. But I think we really, really need to start considering putting the neck guards on. I think goaltenders still don't wear neck guards, which is insane to me. Uh, so that that conversation is definitely going to start ramping up after such a horrible tragedy such as this that went down. And it wasn't even the only skate you know blade injury that happened. 
uh, one of the Boston Bruins players, he almost lost his eye this week from uh, a skate blade catching him just underneath his eyeballs. So, again, a very scary situation that was avoided just barely there in Boston. But, sadly, uh, Adam Johnson, not so lucky, and he passes away. So, um, you know, best wishes to everyone out there. It's just absolutely terrible, and hopefully something like this never, ever happens again. But it's such a crazy fast game. They're literally, you got, what, at any given moment, you got 25, 24 pairs of razors out there on the ice, and that's not including referees and stuff. So these kind of things have happened and and could happen in the in the future, but if they start implementing some things right now, I know the players in the NHL are going to be like, oh, I don't like to wear that. I didn't grow up wearing that. It's weird. It's going to make me play bad, but it's that or, you know, you're, you're, we're going to have something happen that, you know, that we'll look back on at, at this time and be like, we could have done something here and, you know, put a stop to it. And if something else happens after this, it's going to be, you know, very, very upsetting and disappointing that uh, we didn't take the proper measures. So I'm hoping that they are going to do something about that because just absolutely terrible. And I mean, I really, really hate to do this, but speaking of terrible, the Calgary Flames, everybody. I mean, oh my good lord, they're in free fall. That, that's it. I think the Flames are done. I'm already calling it done. Let's, let's fucking tank. Let's, let's sell off the assets. Let's get the hell out of this shit. So they had the Heritage Classic come up this weekend. It was on Sunday. I watched a little bit of it. It was pretty cool. Like I watched the, the opening part where all the players came out and they were, you know, uh, marching towards the ice. It was a cool visual. I thought that was cool. The fireworks going on in the background and just seeing them coming out in the daytime, I thought that was cool. It was a pretty nice looking day there in Edmonton. I think that's where they were. And, you know, the game was not that awesome. I mean, McDavid was in there, thankfully, because that was the whole talk. Like, oh, God, is oh, geez, what if McDavid's not there? It's going to be an absolute disaster. But, uh, yeah, he was there. I saw an interview with McDavid, like, prior to the game. And it was just like... It came off that he was trying so hard to be likable or relatable because, I don't know, Connor McDavid just doesn't come off as a normal dude, and he's a little bit on his own planet. I mean, I don't know. He just doesn't really uh, uh, talk to people or just have conversations. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass, but just hearing him talking about, like, oh, my God, (laughs) there's snow on the ground. I, I, I can't believe that. I was like, what the hell? (laughs) He just sounded so weird. It was just, it came off weird. Anyway. The game goes down, Calgary Flames lose again. So it was the battle of the shittiest teams in Canada, Edmonton versus Calgary. So Edmonton also having an absolute fucking nightmare of a beginning to their season. And maybe after this defeat of uh, the Calgary Flames, they can get their shit back together. Maybe next week I'll be rambling about the Edmonton Oilers. But this week, I'm dedicating some more time to the Calgary Flames. We're going to rant about them. So... My big concern is that so you, when you have two bad teams going at it with each other, and um, it, it, the, the question is okay, which one of the who's the worst one right here? And you'll probably get an answer, you know, unless it's like an overtime. It's like okay, maybe both of these teams kind of suck. But in this game, it looked like Edmonton dealt with Calgary. Like, no fucking problem. Dealt with Calgary in that game. And that makes me nervous because all the talk around Edmonton, like, oh, they're playing so bad. They can't defend. They can't get a save. Yada, yada, yada. And then the Flames come in, get dusted by them, and they looked 
that might have been the worst game that they played. That was fucking embarrassing. I mean, yeah, Kadri gets on the board, but yeesh, man, yeesh. So it's a really telling sign when one bad team goes up against the other and gets their fucking shit pushed in, like Calgary did. Now, maybe I'm over-exaggerating, but they did not play good in that game. They weren't getting shots. They weren't getting any real opportunities going in that game. And the most alarming thing that I'm, I'm visually seeing in Calgary Flames games is that they are not playing as a team whatsoever, man. Not at all. Like, I, I don't I don't think I'm seeing like any sort of eye contact, like guys looking at each other, talking, communicating. It's kind of like, all right, I need to do this one man army. I'm going in, baby. And then the puck is stripped. It's going the other way and it's in the back of the net. I might be focusing in a little bit here on Kadri, but Jesus, man, Kadri, he's never been one to shy away from showing his emotions on the ice and in interviews anywhere, really. And that's one of the main reasons why I really like Kadri. Love Kadri. I think he's awesome. But, dude, like, the, the emotion on the ice right now, he looks like he's going to break down and cry in a minute because it is going so bad in Calgary right now. And, you know, everyone was pretty fucking excited when Calgary signed Kadri, myself included. I was, I already knew that he wasn't going to be putting up 89, 90 points in Calgary, but I knew that he was going to be a good second line center. But now it's like, uh, well, the big, it was a big red flag when they signed him. He's like 31, 32 when they signed him. They signed him to a seven year deal coming off of the best year in his career in his 30s I mean he's had a long track record of never producing on that level before so uh yeah there's a lot of red flags we all knew that more than likely it wasn't going to go very well but for it to start off this badly I mean last season was a very big drop off for Kadri maybe a little bit more than I was expecting even personally I thought maybe he would go down to like 70 some odd points but he dropped down to like 60 something so it was a pretty big like 25 30 point drop off for Kadri and you could just see the frustration on him out there every single game and every single second man he just looks so frustrated so angry and it shows in his play too like when you're angry uh, you're blinded by rage you're just you're just not thinking clearly and maybe that's what's going on right now in Calgary is there a lot of pressure on Calgary I mean, you would have to think, right? Because you got the whole turnover of the organization. Coaches are gone. GM is gone. The players said they were going to be out of here unless the coach is gone. And now they seem like they're getting a lot of the players to stay. But again, this is I don't think this is the right thing to do. I like Backlund. I'm fine with Backlund. The Backlund contract's two years. Lifelong flame. Give him the captaincy. Fine with that. Now the Huberto deal. Jesus Christ. Where do we even start with this one here? Um, it is arguably the worst contract in the NHL right now. It is really, really bad. He's at, what, $10.5 million or something. And in nine games, he's got five points, two goals, three assists, and he's a minus 10. Now, I don't put too much into account into the plus minus. I know a lot of people don't. But, you know, being a minus 10, he is one of only... Holy shit, there's a lot of minuses on this team. Well, Kadri is the lead, is the 
Team Worst, minus 11. Dylan Dubé and Huberto are minus 10s. And yeah, so they're by far the worst minuses on the team. And Huberto, man, like I thought he was doing good at the beginning. And it's really fallen off, man. Like he he looks like he is on pace again to be a 55-60 point producer. And at $10 million, that's just absolutely not acceptable. Now, is this a problem of the team construction? Now, I look up and down this roster. Is there a bonafide goal scorer that Huberdeau is able to pass to? And I'm looking at this lineup and I don't see anybody here that has... uh, There's one player on the team that has three goals and that is Mangiapane. He is the only one with three goals. Everybody else, two or less. So not a lot of goal scoring getting done right now in Calgary. And I would say right now the best goal scorer on the team is, in fact, Mangiapane. And that's not just because he has three goals and he has the most goals on the team. But I'm looking up and down this roster. I mean, Lindholm, he scored 40, yes. But I think that was a generation from his line. I mean, when you have... Goudreau and Kachuk on your wings. He was the third best player on that on that line. So there would be a little bit less attention on Lindholm when that line is out there. So he w- he might have a little bit more free ice to take those shots. And now without his partners on his wings, he's going to get focused in on. And it's showing. He dipped down huge last year in points. I thought he was going to bounce back. He started out excellent, and now he's gone pointless in, I think, four games now. So, not acceptable. And this guy wants $10 million. Are you fucking crazy? No. And if Calgary gives him that, we're done. That's it. Fucking, it's going to be probably five to ten years of mediocrity, middle of the pack, uh, maybe worse. And it's going to be awful. So what the hell can the Flames do? I mean, I think first things first, don't sign Lindholm. I think you have to trade him. You have to trade him now or, I mean, not today, like now, because he's he's got a four-game pointless streak, so you got to try and make him look a little bit better. If maybe you started, you traded him off at the beginning when he had, you know, a goal and two assists in the first game, he was looking really good. But now he's fallen off. It looks like the team has fallen off. And it seems like all the same problems from last year are bubbling to the surface yet again. So how I mean, yeah, we know Sutter is a horrible locker room kind of coach. Like he just brings dread to the players. But it looks like that dread is back again. And that's just because the team's not that good. So I don't know, man. Like the the forward group is pretty bad. Like I, I, I still think their defensive core... Uh, is pretty good, but I don't know, man. Like, they they literally, they just don't have a finisher on this team. They have a lot of guys that they were hoping would become finishers. I mean, I will say that Adam Rudziska has been a a bit of a surprise this year. He's been solid in seven games. Now he's hurt. Um, Michael Backlund has no goals in nine games. I mean, you would really, really want to have a goal from your captain after... I'm not going to say that he necessarily made a stink about not being the captain, but he definitely made it known that he wanted to be the captain. They gave it to you, and three points in nine games. That's what you're going to give us. I mean, we know that Michael Backlund isn't the biggest point producer, but when your team is struggling to this level and, you know, you're not putting anything really on your back. You're shooting 0%. I mean, what the fuck? And, you know, Dylan Dubé hasn't gotten the goals. Uh, Dewar has gotten a goal, but he's in the bottom six. I mean, Kadri's gotten one goal. He got one goal. It took him nine games to get one goal. He's got two points in nine games and a minus 11. Just bad, man. Really, really bad. 
new guy, uh, Igor Sharangovich. I'm not going to put too much on him because he has to come to a whole new organization. And he finally scored his first goal. I've seen him in, uh, they've had him in the lineup playing center. I don't know. Okay. I don't know why they're doing that, but apparently he's been playing center a little bit, which is interesting. Um, uh, yeah, man. I mean, just from top to bottom, that that's just, you're just not getting the production right now. And, and like, Nine point or six points in nine games is it bad from Lindholm? The problem is he got most of that in the first couple of games, so he hasn't done jack titties in the last four games. So, what are they going to be able to do here? I mean, well, let's look at the defense. The thing that really sucks about the defense is that I thought Oliver Shillington was going to be back in the lineup this year, but he's still out, and I really don't, I have no idea what's going on. It just has it listed as personal, so I mean, it, I. I, I don't know what's going on, but he's been gone for a very long time. So, you know, I I'm, I hope it's like, it's got to be really, really bad. I mean, that that's terrible. But I mean, damn, this team could maybe really use Shillington. Um, Rasmus Anderson, before the suspension, was doing quite well. He had three points in five games, looking like he was going to be building on a pretty solid year that he had last season. Mackenzie Weger, I mean, he's still, I think, trying to find it in Calgary. He had a pretty decent game, I think, at the at the Classic. He had a couple assists or whatever, but yeah, it just hasn't really been going that that great with him either. Uh, Nikita Zadorov has been uh, a good soundbite. He's been calling out the team in interviews, saying that they're just not good enough. They're playing like shit, and I mean, I agree, but you know, do you really need to be hearing that out of Zadorov? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you. I mean, I like to hear a player like that talking, like calling out his team. But is that like really what they need right now for the media necessarily to be jumping on them? I don't know. Uh, you got Tanov out there. He's a minus six, no points, and he's going to be looking for a contract extension. Just yeesh, man. I think the only, and it's not even necessarily a bright spot, but one of the. The better things, even though his record is fucking terrible, but Markstrom has played better this season. Uh, he has one win in seven games, so that's not great. A 2.88 goals against, a 901 save percentage. I mean, a 901 isn't bad, but the team, considering how bad the team is playing in front of him, I think that's a miracle that he's above a 900. And yeah, no shutouts. Dan Vladar has been awful. An 842 save percentage. Uh, he managed to win somehow. And that's impressive. So uh, I'll take a look at Cap Friendly here. Let's see if we can uh, try and fix the flames up a little bit here and see what what they can do because they, they definitely have some boat anchor contracts here that I just can't see. Like, how are you going to get out of Huberto? Eight more years of this. Like, $10.5 million. Like, uh, Jack Hughes is making less money. Like, do I, need to, uh, do I even need to say more than that? I mean, Jack Hughes is making less money. He's got... 18 points in seven games or some shit. So, yeah, we're not getting anywhere near that production out of Huberto. And like I said, the only way that you're probably going to start getting some form of production out of Huberto is if you get some form of sniper, a bonafide sniper next to him. But I can already kind of cancel out that argument because he had Toffoli last year and he still sucked. And Toffoli is going off. He scored six goals this week. Like, oh my God, that was just such a... A questionable trade, like getting rid of Toffoli, like good on New Jersey. What a fucking robbery. A brilliant trade for them. I liked I like Sharon Govich. It's just like 
he's not a goal scorer. Like, I don't know why they wanted to get rid of the one goal scorer that you had on the team. And it just, yeah, it's it's definitely been doing more damage than I thought it was going to do. I thought they maybe would have been able to get those goals out of Coronado, Dubé, maybe some from Sharon Govich as well, but nah, nah, it's just not happening. So uh, at the top of the cap here, we got, yeah, Huberto at 10.5. That's got to be untradeable. Even, even if they retained, which they never will, because you're not going to retain on a guy that you have eight years on. You're going to be paying him to not play for like 16 years. They're just not going to do it. You got the 33-year-old Kadri with six more years at $7 million. The way that he's producing, that is also looking to be one of the worst contracts in the league right now. Uh, Andrew Mangiapane, uh, he's overpaid at 5.8. I mean, but it's it's not the worst one. I don't even know if that one's tradable without some retention. Like 5.8 for maybe a 20-goal scorer. I don't know how many teams are going to be into that. You got... Michael Backlund, who's basically made himself untradeable, becoming the new captain, so uh, there probably isn't going to be an option right there. You got Blake Coleman, who, like, yeah, a lot of teams would love to have on their team, but uh, for another four years at $4.9 million, I don't know about that. And again, you could retain on that, but are you going to want to retain for four years on that deal? I don't think so. And I think Calgary would want to keep a Blake Coleman, just... He kind of brings some fire, even though I know he hasn't really been all that good since he's been here. But yeah, and then you got the Lindholm one. This is your, this is it. This is the good tradable contract. You got Elias Lindholm, $4.85 million. He's 28. You have to trade him. You have to trade him. You cannot keep this guy. There's no point. At this point, the way that the team is playing, there's no way you're turning it around. Trade him. You have to trade him. I don't care. Trade him for picks. Trade him for young prospects. Don't bring in a guy that you think... Don't do player for player. Don't bring in another fucking 28-year-old center that, you know, it's not going to work. You're going to end up downgrading and downgrading. Kind of like how Edmonton kept doing that with... uh, the like Strom to blank to blank, and they just kind of kept downgrading their way to uh, just basically a depth forward, trading away a top six player for, and it, they ended up with like a depth guy. Terrible. So I don't want them to do that with Elias Lindholm. I don't know what is out there. Is there, like, I don't really want to have struggling player for struggling player. I think at this point, you got to go rebuild or retool with Calgary because the way you're looking, it's just not, this team just isn't there. From what I'm seeing, it's just, it just isn't there. Like, we haven't had any... I mean, I know Matthew Coronado is hurt, but he just... Or, or is he hurt? Anyway, well, Peltier's hurt. I was really hoping for something out of Peltier. He got hurt, so that fucking sucks. And Coronado just... I mean, he's had a lot of chances. He's looked good. He's only 20 years old, though. So, like, how much can you really put on him to, you know, drag this team out of mediocrity? So, yeah, yeah. Um, so where are we at here? So Elias Lindholm, I think you have to trade him at this point. Uh, I would just completely put down the extension talks unless you're doing a sign and trade. Like then, then okay, start talking to a team, find a find a buyer for Lindholm, and see if you can get that contract worked out, and then move them because there's no there's zero reasoning for Calgary to go ahead, sign him for seven years or eight years and give him nine and a half, ten million dollars. You're gonna have to give him like ten something because you got Huberto over here, you know, putting up one point every seven games. So, you know, Elias Lindholm's been doing better than that. So he's gonna have that argument. It's not gonna work. 
Elias Lindholm on this Flames team is a 60-65-point player. He's not the 80-some-odd 40-goal scorer that he was two years ago. That that team, that Calgary team is gone. No more Goudreau, no more Kachuk. Those, it's, that's just, no, it's not happening. And then Sharon Govich at 3.1, I mean, it's not a good contract, and you're probably not going to want to move him since you just brought him in. Dylan Dubé, it's a movable contract, but again, he's 25. I think we kind of... Dubé is what he is, probably a 45-50 point kind of guy, uh, maybe cracks 20 goals, something like that, could be a player that can get moved, but you're not really going to get a whole lot out of him, uh, or a lot of value out of that trade, you got Matthew Coronado, I'd, ke- I'd keep that one, I'd, I'd keep him, Dewar Hunt, AJ Greer, Ruzitska, uh, I'd keep him as well, he's 24, uh, AJ Greer, these guys, you know, kind of depth uh, 26, 27 year old guys. So it just, yeah. And then the defense, of course. So now you have another, you have another chip here and Noah Hannafin. He's got one year, 26 years old. So the flames could get something could absolutely get something out of Noah Hannafin, find a trade partner for him. Again, maybe talk to some teams, see if you can work out a sign and trade and get him out of here. I don't, I like Noah Hannafin, but get him out of here. You got to start getting some assets back because this team is going to be, uh, they keep, they keep this up. They're going to be a lottery team. And, and, uh, yeah, so I would trade Noah Hannafin as well. Get him out of here, try and get some picks and maybe a young prospect. Do not, and I repeat, do not trade him for another roster player. Don't do it. Mackenzie Weger, untradeable at this point, I would say. He's starting his eight-year deal. He's been playing fine. He's not like, I wouldn't say that is as much of a boat anger. I think you could just kind of keep Weger and just kind of keep him in the lineup. That's that's fine with me. Rasmus Anderson, he ha- would have great value. But again, this is a guy, you're going to have to keep some players on the team. And Weger and Anderson are the only two defensemen on this team that still have uh, some term left. All the other defensemen, one year. So... We get to Christopher Tanev at $4.5 million. This guy could get traded as well. Now, I know he is kind of a fan favorite, a solid defensive defenseman. Now, I would love for the Toronto Maple Leafs to take a run at a Christopher Tanev. You get maybe 50% retained. You get yourself a nice, shiny Christopher Tanev for like 2.25. Oh, fuck yeah. I am so into that. So they could get something out of a Christopher Tanev deal. Nikita Zadorov, I mean, they've he's been great for Calgary, but I think now with the the attitude change, you're pro, if you're going into a rebuild, uh, I don't think you're going to want to have a Zadorov around. So you can trade him as well at three point seven five. Again, do a little bit of retention. Wouldn't mind the Leafs taking a run at a Nikita Zadorov. Not gonna lie. Uh, Jordan Osterle and Gilbert Denise, uh, you can, whatever. They're both on one years. We're not really worried about that. We have Oliver Shillington. I mean, he's also on his last year of a deal as well, but 26 years old. He hasn't played in over a year. He didn't play at all last season. He's not playing this year. Uh, he hasn't, I have heard nothing about him coming back and is who would even, excuse me, be interested in something like that, like if if Calgary were to trade him, you would get nothing. You would there would be no value to that player at this point. Just nothing against him. It's just that he has not played, so you really have no idea what you're going to be getting. So there really can't be any value. Uh, so I would have to keep him, but he's an unrestricted free agent. So they're going to have to figure out 
what what's a what's a fair price to pay Oliver Shillington, a guy that hasn't played? Like, is two point five too much? Do you give him a league minimum one year and just see if he can get it back? Like, I don't fucking know. It could be a trade asset. You got Kevin Rooney. He's thirty. He's on LTIR. I mean, there's not really much you can do with that. And then the goaltending. I mean, you got Jacob Markstrom. He's locked in for three more years. Uh, I mean, the way that he's playing right now, I mean, you might get lucky and you might catch like L.A. or um, uh, what's the other team that doesn't have a goalie right now? L.A., uh, any of the one of the teams that if there's a team out there really, really desperate and that might might some teams might take a swing at Markstrom and that could be pretty interesting. Uh, he wants to stay. That's great and everything. But if you can move him, move him. Uh, Dan Vladar at the, oh, I don't know if he's movable at this point. He is an 840 goals under at this time being, you know, maybe Boston would take him back, but there's no reason for Boston to take him back. He's at 2.2, 26 years old. Someone could take a flyer on him. Uh, maybe a team like San Jose, someone in the dumpster that could maybe revamp him or something like that. Again, maybe LA would take a run at him for a cheap price, but you're not going to get a lot out of Dan Vladar. So uh, to sum that up, the Calgary Flames are fucked and they're in, they're in a lot of trouble. And uh, yeah, if I were them, I would start selling off, start selling off the farm, deal with Kadri. You're just going to have to ride that fucking contract out. Huberto, oh my God, you got to pray that this guy finds, finds his hockey game somehow again, because yeesh. So I think that's a good enough ramble for right now with uh, with uh, the Calgary Flames. Let me know what you think of the Flames. Are are they seriously going to be a lottery team this year? Is there something you think that they can do within? I don't see it. That that anything within this organization that's going to fix it. Uh, you can't fire Huska. It's not really his fault, but. Yeah, it's uh, not going good at all with the Calgary Flames, so we'll move on to another team that's going through some struggles, the Ottawa Senators. So we got the big old Shane Pinto suspension, 41 games. Holy shit, I thought I had a seizure or something and I was seeing like numbers that weren't really there, but no, 41 games. I was like, wow, did you kill Gary Bettman or something? What'd you do? And apparently it was um, gambling. All around gambling, so to try and sum up this very long convoluted story, it sounds like a buddy of his or something got onto one of his accounts, he made he did something that he wasn't supposed to do, and now he's paying the piper for it. So the NHL has come out, they're already doing like their fucking like little seminars and programs like here, this okay, don't bet on this. This is why you're an idiot. Don't do that. This is illegal. Don't do this. So they're doing that. They've done it before, but I guess Shane Pinto missed that meeting that day and he fucked up. He fucked up big time, man. 41 games, you're going to have to eat that. Uh, apparently the suspension is already underway. Like uh it it began at the beginning of the Ottawa Senators season. So uh the thing about that is it's already been under investigation for months. So this has been something that's been going on in the background for quite some time. And it finally came out. So behind the scenes, like the player, the NHLPA, the Players Association was trying to work out something with Shane Pinto. They investigated it. They found wrongdoings. And then they were trying to figure out sentencing. NHL wanted to make a example out of Pinto. And apparently it was going to be, it was 
talked about maybe him getting suspended for the whole entire season. NHLPA, they I guess they were able to talk it down to half a season. Shane Pinto's eating it. He's not he's not arguing with it. He's not trying to fight it. So he knew he knows he fucked up. He he this has already been going on for months, right? So they've already probably talked through all of their options, and it seems like this is probably the best option that you got. Take the 41 game suspension and try and move on. I mean, it's terrible. This I don't gamble. I, I have no appeal in gambling whatsoever. I do my fantasy hockey leagues, and that is it. I bought in three lottery tickets in my life, and that's it. I, I have no... I have no time for gambling. I just, I don't want it. I have no time for it. So if you like it, that's fine. Just, I don't want it. And, you know, if I was an NHL player, I'd, I'd definitely, uh, after seeing something like this, I'd probably never bet just just in case. You know, I do, I do not. And, like, if he did, like, if Shane Pinto did give a friend of his or a family member access to an account and they made the bet, if this is on, like, one of his family members, that family member is getting buried alive. Like, you're dead to me. You're so fucking dead. Like, don't even. So, sucks for Shane Pinto. Sucks for the Ottawa Senators fans, especially, because, like, fuck, man. Like, what hasn't gone wrong with the Ottawa Senators in the last decade? I mean, everything that can go wrong is going wrong, and they just can't fucking have one week one week ottawa without some freaking controversy or something going on so a 41 game suspension for shane pinto how you doing how is that i mean are they going to be able to sign him when that is up i mean when that fuck that's going to be a while until uh until that one's over but hey at least i have some wait hold on more bad news for ottawa and then i'll give you a little bit of good news okay um so thomas shabbat is going to be out and he is going to be out for a little bit which is uh not awesome four to six weeks for thomas shabbat which is not ideal because that is your big main defenseman. Now, thankfully, Ottawa has gotten some other defensemen there now. You got uh, Chikrin, who is there. He should be able to step in and help out with some of those minutes right there. And then, of course, you have Sanderson, who has been amazing. He has been amazing. Eight games, three goals, four assists, seven points, Putting up about 23 minutes per game. Wow. Okay. Ottawa. Well done. Well done. I mean, we were all bad-mouthing that extension, but it's looking like an absolute fucking bargain already. So, well done. I'm really glad to see that Jake Sanderson is off to a really good start for the season. That's excellent. And, of course, with uh, Shabbat being out, maybe he's going to take an even bigger uh, role and step on this team. I mean... Do you think like in a in like when all said is when everything is uh like Jake Sanderson becomes what he becomes, is Sanderson going to be the main guy over Thomas Shabbat? Or is Shabbat always going to be like the the main defenseman in Ottawa? So if there's anyone any Sens fans out there, what do you think? Do you think that Sanderson is going to be a better defenseman than than uh Shabbat? Is he already a better defenseman than Shabbat? I wonder. I don't know. I haven't really haven't watched any Senators games yet, so I I'm I'm very curious to see uh where that ends up in the end of the end of the season if Shabbat is going to get moved down or something cuz I think Shabbat is a a one of the best top 4 defensemen and maybe one of the lower end top 2. I think he's very very good. I just think 
he definitely is always, he's never had like a good partner. Like he had Zaitsev with him forever. And yeah, the Ottawa uh, defensive core has been pretty weak, but it's getting quite strong now with Chikrin and Sanderson are rolling. So that's really good for the Ottawa Senators fans. So a little piece of decent news for you there. Uh, New Jersey. So they're off and rolling. They're doing pretty good. I mean, not as good as maybe everyone was expecting. Like, I think maybe some of the New Jersey Devils fans thought that maybe they would be on the level of Vegas right now. Maybe not lost a game yet. But, no, they've definitely lost some games. But Jack Hughes, ladies and gentlemen, this kid has fucking arrived. So... Um, almost kind of similar to Joe Thornton, where like the first overall pick, we'll talk about Jumbo Joe a little bit later, don't you worry, I, I will never forget, but similar to Jumbo Joe, where he's the first overall pick, he's got all this hype around him, oh, he's going to be amazing, he's a franchise player, he's he's this, he's that, and then he has his first couple of seasons, and he's just kind of like, oh, okay, like he shows flashes of it, and then... It happens. This guy has absolutely exploded. He exploded last year, honestly, but he's doing even better now. He's got 18 points. 18 points in freaking seven games or something like that. Let me just see if I can pull up his stats. Eight games, 18 points, five goals, and 13 assists. He's playing twenty, almost 22 minutes a game. Wow, I mean, what a fucking start for him. His running mate, Jesper Bratt, is loving it. And I don't know if Tyler Toffoli is on the same line as him, but goddamn, that Jack Hughes has finally arrived. And my question now is, now it's a little bit less so uh, now that McDavid is back, but I was wondering if McDavid was to miss a little bit more time. Let's say McDavid misses a month, month and a half this year or something like that. Is that a big enough opportunity for Jack Hughes to maybe steal an Art Ross from Connor McDavid? Now, I don't think that Jack Hughes is going to get into that maybe 135, 140, 140 points. But I think this season, especially the fucking start that he's had, 120 points, I think that's in his future. So he right now, he's, he's just so very comparable to me, to Joe Thornton. And I guess since we're talking so very much about Joe Thornton, let's go talk about Jumbo Joe for a little bit. He finally announces his retirement ref, uh, officially here. And holy crap, man. Like, what can you say about Jumbo Joe? Like... God damn. Comes into the league. I know he was underwhelming. And then that big trade in Boston where halfway through the year he's like leading the league in points. He gets traded to San Jose, one of the worst trades ever for the Bruins. And yeah, he has a very, very strong run with San Jose. Lots of good runs to uh, the Stanley Cup. Now I know he never won the Stanley Cup, which is extremely unfortunate. Uh, Just add him to the list of other guys that never won the Stanley Cup. It's just that... You know, I don't like to bring up that Tortorella quote, but, you know, he's going to go, he's probably going to go down as one of the the better players to have never done anything. So that's a John Tortorella quote right there. But, I mean, to say that is a little bit harsh. I mean, Joe Thornton did some shit in this league. Um, Points-wise, I mean, fuck. We're (laughs) 1,714 games played, 430 goals, 1,109 assists, 1,500 39 points with 1,200 PIMS, too. Just shy of 1,300 PIMS, 187 games in the playoffs with 134 points. Not bad, man. He's got a lot of international success. Uh, let's go through 
his awards and stuff. So, uh, NHL League All-Star Game 2002, 3, 4, 7, 8, and 9. In 2009, he was the captain. Won the Art Ross Trophy in 2006. Won the Hart Memorial Trophy in 2006. Named to the NHL First All-Star Team in 2006. What a fucking year 2006 was for Jumbo. Named to the NHL Second All-Star Team 2003, 8, 16. Uh, won the Spangler Cup in 2004. Swiss Swiss Ice Ice Hockey Championship in Davos 2005. I think that's all during, like, the the lockout. Won the World Junior Championships Gold Medal Team Canada 97. Won the World Cup of Hockey Team Canada 2004. Won the 2010 Winter Olympics Gold in Canada 2010. Won the World Cup of Hockey with Canada in 2016. Records, only player in NHL history to win the Art Ross Trophy and the Hart while switching teams in his winning campaign. So that was the trade from Boston to San Jose. And that was, I think that was his best season ever. He had like 130 some odd points or something insane. Sorry, 120, 125 points. There it was. Let me see. Let me go look at that year. Ah, da, 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 2000 Boston in 23 games he had 33 points and then in 58 games with the Sharks he put up 92 damn he exploded with San Jose right out of the gate so other records highest point total recorded by a player while playing with two different teams in one season 125 most games played by the first overall selection in the NHL entry draft currently 1714 San Jose Sharks all-time leader in assists with 745 all-time leader in plus minus with a plus 172 and San Jose Sharks all-time leader in points per game with a 1.01 so a point a game player his whole entire uh, shark tenure damn near uh 1700 damn near a point a game his whole entire career which spanned 24 NHL seasons that is absolutely freaking insane man and I am so happy that Jumbo Joe made a little pit stop in Toronto I have a Joe Thornton Toronto Maple Leafs jersey I got it dirt cheap don't worry I just had to have it man I love Joe Thornton and I love the fact that he played with the Leafs no it didn't go all that well and he didn't like I wasn't expecting him to change the world but fuck man I Oh, we're gonna be we're robbed, man, of seeing that big old beard lifting up a Stanley Cup, and and oh man, uh, just if there's there's two guys that like two guys that didn't win cups that I, I wanted to win a cup more, and it's Jerome McGinley and fucking Joe Thornton, man. Like I rooted everywhere that Joe went, I was rooting for him there in the end, and oh, I just I wanted it so bad. Spezza, I'll, I'll throw Spezza in there as well. I wanted Spezza, Joe Thornton fucking Wayne Simmons all those guys to be raising the cup in Toronto I mean it wasn't meant to be didn't happen but fucking hell of a career for Joe Thornton I would say he's a hall of famer I think he was a dominant forward in his prime and the longevity of his career he won a heart he he won the Art Ross he was damn near a pointy game player his whole entire career I think like they'll have the argument like the Patrick Marlowe and Joe Thornton I think Joe Thornton was a was a better player than Marlowe. I I don't think there will be that much debate with Joe Thornton going into the Hall of Fame. I think he's a first ballot might be pushing it, but I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. So congratulations, Joe Thornton. I mean, I hope we get to see this guy like I don't know on TV doing something. I don't know. I just love love Joe Thornton. So that's my boy right there. They also have, there's some other really random uh, retirements as well. Uh, Thomas Placanix, apparently, 
uh, wasn't retired, but but now is. So, you know, former uh, Leaf legend Thomas Placanic played like seven games, and we gave up the sun and the moon to get him, and he was terrible. Anyway, I'm not still salty about it at all. And Zach Cassian has retired as well, which is a little bit unfortunate. I know his, his career didn't quite hit the levels that um, he was maybe hoping for. I thought, I thought for a second there he found it with Edmonton. I thought, I was like, oh shit, is this guy going to be a, a running mate with Connor McDavid? Like, to have that, like, a tough power forward type guy with McDavid to kind of give him some more space. And, like, it looked like it was going to work, and then, and then it just didn't. And, yeah, I guess that's, that's sadly it for Zach Cassian, but uh, congratulations congratulations on an NHL career like not many people can say that they have done that so congratulations uh speaking of congratulations and not congratulations because Florida gets Sam Bennett back and then immediately loses him again so he returned in the Boston Bruins game last night and he's back on day to day so I I don't I didn't see what happened to him all I know is that I'm very disappointed because I have him on my fantasy team. And I was like, oh, yeah, I had to drop a player to get him back in the lineup. Boom, get him back in. He did nothing, and he got hurt. So I'm like, fuck, man, this is bullshit. And I don't even know if he's going back on long-term injured reserve or anything like that. So is this – um I already had, like, honestly, I was already, like, waving the red flag. I'm like, why are you having him come back in Boston? You shouldn't have him come back against Boston. Like, Boston's going to target him. They, they're they going to just... That's how the Bruins play, man. They're going to go after a guy that, that might not be 100%. And it looks like maybe they did. I don't know. So, Bennett is back out. But uh, Ekblad and Montour have been practicing. So, they're not ready to return yet, but they're getting there. And honestly, I think Florida's done okay without them. Uh, hopefully, they'll be a lot better once they get those two players back in. It's going to be interesting to see if Montour is going to be able to get back to where he was last season because 70-plus points, that was never really something that he's shown to be able to do. But Florida, I find they just have a way with fucking defensemen. They get they can just get defensemen to put up some points, man. So we'll see. I mean, are they going to put Ekblad over Montour? I think Montour was doing a little bit better than Ekblad personally last year, but we'll see where that one goes. That will be interesting. Speaking of interesting, we have the Buffalo Sabres. So Uka Pekka Lukanen gets his first NHL shutout, and he does it against the Colorado Avalanche. So we know that the Buffalo Sabres have not been off uh, to the start that um, we were all kind of hoping for. They've been losing a lot, but they kind of been getting it together lately. So I know that loss against Montreal was just kind of like, what the fuck? Like they, they can't be losing to Montreal right now. They got a huge win over Ottawa, lost to New Jersey, but it was a close one. And then shutting out Colorado. So is is this going to be the spark that, that sets Buffalo off on the right path for the rest of the season? I mean, shutting out one of the better teams in the league. You're getting a shutout for a young goaltender that could really use a spark. And Buffalo could really use a spark in net. I mean, Devin Levi hasn't been off to the best start. He's dealing with some injury problems right now. You got Comrie. I think he's dealing with some injury problems as well. He's been okay, but that's not the guy you were hoping to break out. It was going to be rather Devin Levi emerges or UPL comes out and he's going to be great. So it is only one game and, you know, goalies can be 
unbeatable for one night and then they turn back into a pumpkin the next night. But, you know, it, it is pretty promising looking, at least for the Sabres after a win like that. Big, big win. So we'll see if the Sabres are going to be able to get back on track. I know uh, Thompson's been scoring some goals, so that's good. Really going to need that guy to get going. So since we're talking about uh, getting some guys going, let's let's take a look at some of uh, the colder starts for some of the players out there. Now, some of these players are uh, new players to their organization. Some are not, but I got to take a look at uh, Blake Wheeler right here. So the Rangers are fucking rolling right now. They're doing really, really well. But in nine games, Blake Wheeler has no points, zeros, no goals, no assists, nada. Negative four, he's got... Some penalties, got 18 shots, he's playing about 12 minutes a night, so um, maybe the Jets made a really, really good decision here at getting rid of Blake Wheeler, moving off from him, maybe they predicted that he was going to fall off of a cliff this season, maybe Blake Wheeler is playing a completely different role with the Rangers, and he's not, you know, not really meant to be putting up a lot of points, but nine games with no points for Blake Wheeler, I did not see that one coming. I was predicting, like, we were all like, oh, that is a bargain, that is amazing, what a freaking job by the Rangers, wow, and yeah, so far, it really hasn't uh, reaped any benefits, I mean, thankfully, they're only paying them league minimum, but yeah, that is not the start I thought we were going to get out of him, Uh, we know that Kadri is off to a really slow start as well but we got we got one here in Anaheim as well Trevor Zegras not off to the start I was hoping for personally I drafted him in my fantasy league and I have I have now dropped him Uh, but in nine games one goal one assist two points but only a minus one so the minus one that's not too bad I, I thought that would be substantially worse but for Trevor Zegras, man, like he got a contract extension. He's getting about 18 minutes on the ice. And yeah, he just has not been putting up a lot of points whatsoever. So uh, hopefully now he's got the one goal there. I'm hoping that um, he can uh, get get it going a little bit. But uh, yeah, that is definitely not the start I was hoping for out of him. Uh, let's go take a look at... We got the, aha, okay, so, okay, well, that's not too bad, he's actually stepped up quite a little, a little bit here, but Eli Tolvanen in Seattle, off to a little bit of a slow start, I mean, in 10 games, he's only got the one goal, three assists, four points, minus three, I mean, the way that he was going when he first showed up in uh, Seattle last year, it really did look like he was um, a really, really smart pickup right there. And, uh, yeah, it just really hasn't gone uh, too great. I mean, it's not it's not bad. It's just the one goal in 10 games. You were kind of expecting a bit more goals to be scored from him. But, yeah, Seattle is definitely struggling quite a lot at uh, scoring some goals. And let's go take a look at a little rookie, a little young man. You might know him in Montreal, and that is Uri Slavkowski. So the first overall pick couple of years ago uh not off to the greatest start last year I mean he was off to a slow start got injured and now in nine games this season only the one assist so now we're starting to get a little bit red flaggy with this player um 
I mean, I really, I really question the the idea of them bringing him in last season. I just don't think there was any real reason for them to do that, but they did it. And I mean, so far it has not been very good. I don't, I don't think he's not necessarily playing badly or anything. He's just not getting anything. He's really just kind of unnoticeable out there. Whenever I have watched Montreal games, I do not notice him out there very often. And it's, at this point, if I was a Habs fan, I'd be a little bit nervous as to, like, fuck, did we fuck this dude up? Like, did we rush him? Or is he going to be a little bit of a late bloomer? Like, it's not every player just turns it on overnight. Some players, you know, it just clicks eventually. All of a sudden, bam, like, it's just going. Like, look at Cockton Yemi right now in Carolina. It's just all of a sudden he's he's a point-of-game player right now. So it's like, okay, like, where was it before and just... I don't know, sometimes the wires are crossed and then they uncross and bam, you're just off and going. So yeah, not a great start to the career of Slavkovsky. I was uh, you know, kind of hoping that he would have a little bit more going this year, but uh, I, I won't start waving the big red flag until the end of next season. I find year three is usually the year where you start to see something. If we see nothing out of Slavkovsky next year as well, then uh-oh. Speaking of uh-oh, now it's not the biggest uh-oh just yet, but new guy, Tyler Pertuzzi with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Eight games, only the two goals, one assist, three points. He's a plus three. Two of those goals were on the power play, so there's that. Not necessarily, it's not a bad start, but it's not really the start I was hoping for out of Tyler Pertuzzi. Um, I mean, in a perfect world, we were going to get that Boston Bruin Bertuzzi that we saw a little bit last year, but... Um, He's still kind of finding his way with the team. So I'm, I'm hoping it's it's looking good lately. He's been playing better. And uh, hopefully that he is going to start putting in uh, a little bit more goals. And speaking of putting in a little bit more goals, uh, the Ottawa Senators would love to get a little bit more at a new guy, Dominic Kubelik. Oh, man. I'm This one makes me hurt a little bit. I like this player. I think he's underrated. But with the Ottawa Senators... In that DeBrincat trade, we've seen how good DeBrincat has been for the Detroit Red Wings. And one of the pieces in return was Kubelik in eight games, one goal, and that's it. One point, one goal. Minus two. So yeah, he has not made the impact that I was kind of hoping he was going to be able to make. Uh, excuse me, with the Ottawa Senators. I mean, it's a new team, um, but then, you, I mean, you look at DeBrincat, they're in the Eastern Conference, so, like, I wouldn't expect that big of a change or for that long of, um, what do you call it, a, an adjustment period for him to 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 get going over there. But, uh, yeah, not, not exactly what you were hoping for out of that. Let's take a look at, uh, okay, no. I was going to say Pavel Zaka, but he's actually doing pretty okay. In nine games, he's got three goals, three assists, six points. So that's not that's not that bad. Um, let me check on Mr. This Guy. Oopsie. There we go. Uh, eh, I mean, that's okay. I was going to say Evander Kane, but uh, after he has been stepping up a little bit over the last couple games. So he's actually been okay. Okay, here we go. Here's one. Uh, he's been okay, but not as good. Okay, so Buffalo Sabres, you got Alex Tuck. Nine games, he's only got the one goal. Four assists, five points. Not bad, but not the Alex Tuck that we saw last year. The Alex Tuck that came over from Vegas and just looked like the perfect fit. And he wants to be there. And me personally, I, I really, really like Alex Tuck. I think he's an awesome 
really awesome, kind of an underrated player. Like, uh, a lot of people were saying, oh, I don't think he'll be able to do what he did last year. And I was like, oh, but I, I, I think he's really quite good. But it is what it is. I mean, yeah. We got uh, Anders Lee and the New York Islanders. That's eight games, one goal, one assist, two points, minus one. Yeah, not not really the production you want out of one of your better, more consistent goal scorers over the last little bit. Now, Anders Lee is getting up there in age now, so uh, goals might be a little bit harder for him to come by. I know he has been around it. Like, I've seen a couple Islanders games, and he's been around the net. He's in front battling. Like, he's there. It's just not going in for him like right now, so that's unfortunate. Speaking of unfortunate, we got Anton Lundell with the Florida Panthers. Now, I was kind of hoping for this young man to break out a little bit more this season, but in eight games, zero goals and only the two assists, two points. Plus one, you know, eh, hoping for a little bit more out of that player, uh, especially after the big run that they had. Maybe he heats up in a little bit. Maybe he's still a little bit sore from uh, the long playoff run last year. But uh, yeah, not, not really what I imagine some of the Florida fans are expecting or hoping for out of him, but... Apparently, he is still quite good defensively, so he has that going for him. And then there's Nicholas Backstrom with the Washington Capitals. I mean, I could talk about Ovechkin as well, who is definitely not off to your typical Ovechkin style of season. But, I mean, can you give the guy a freaking break? He's like 37, 38 years old. Like, goddamn. But Nicholas Backstrom, I mean, eight games, no goals, one assist, one point, minus three. Yeah, I mean, which is really unfortunate because, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved Backstrom. I think he's an awesome, again, kind of underrated player because he's kind of over uh, in the shadow of Ovechkin, but he's the guy that's always been dishing him the puck. And sadly, you know, this is the one where he, he had the hip surgery and it just looks like he may not be able to get back to the same way that he was, which it happens, man. It, it absolutely happens. It's just really unfortunate. Uh, I wasn't necessarily expecting uh, him to bounce back and have a really uh, good uh, season or anything like that, but you know, it's it, you you would want a little bit more. Okay, I was going to talk about Sergachev, but um, I mean, in nine games, five assists, it's not bad. Again, that's not bad. The minus seven isn't the best thing you would like to see, and then no goals. So last season, it kind of looked like Hedman and. Um, Sergachev kind of flipped roles like Hedman had a pretty rough season last year especially for Hedman standards that was that was definitely not a Hedman season and then Sergachev just exploded last year he was excellent and it looked like they were going to continue on and now it's like Hedman's putting up more points this year and Sergachev is struggling a little bit but it does look like he is starting to get his uh his game back on track We'll go check on, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, I put in Shen, and there's, I, there's a lot of Shens, anyway, um, Braden Shen with the, with the St. Louis Blues, uh, seven games, only the one assist and a minus four, so, not a very encouraging start for Braden Shen over there, uh, you know, I was kind of rooting and hoping for, um, St. Louis to become a playoff team again, maybe with some of those moves that they made and the the pickups of Kapanen and and Verana, I thought were pretty decent. Bennington's been really good, but yeah, not getting the production that you would want out of uh, some of your top six. I know that Thomas and Cairo have also been struggling a little bit. 
Then we got the Dallas Stars, who are off to a nice start to their season, but Jason Robertson, maybe not off to the start he was hoping for. Now he has six points in seven games, which is fine, uh, but only the one goal for Jason Robertson, who scored over 100 points last season, uh, damn near got to 50 goals, so... Uh, not necessarily what I would imagine the Dallas Star fans uh, were hoping for out of him. Now, Rupe Heinz was hurt, and he's back in the lineup now. That is going to definitely help with the production out of him. Ooh, Arizona Coyotes. I feel like I haven't talked about Arizona that much this year. I don't think they've really been up to all that much, eh? It's been a really quiet start to the season for them. They've kind of been about 500. There's a lot of teams that are in and around 500 right now, win one, lose one. But um, Barrett Hayton, man, I was, I'm very, very shocked that he has zero points in eight games because last year he was on a line with Schmaltz and Keller and that line was literally one of the best lines in hockey last year for a little bit and Schmaltz and Keller are off to good starts, but Barrett Hayton, zero points in eight games. I mean, that is alarming. Really, really surprised with that one. He's only a minus two, which, you know, it could be a lot worse considering you have no points, but uh, really going to want Barrett Hayton to get going there for the Arizona Coyotes. That would be fantastic. Uh, We got one here for two more left. We got Bowen Byram in Colorado. Eight games, one goal, one assist, two points. He has a plus two. What's his ice time like right now? 18, just about 19 minutes of ice time. So, I, you know, two points isn't horrible for a defenseman, but the type of defenseman that he is, he's a really good goal scorer. Like, you could, I could see him hitting 20 goals, like, pretty regularly, I would think. And, you know, he hasn't really necessarily broken out for a whole bunch of points yet in, in, his, uh, in his career. Let me just take a look. At um, was Bowen Byron. He had in 42 games last year. He had 24 points, which is pretty damn good. And he had 10 goals in those 42 games. So if you doubled that, uh, you'd look at like 20 goals, 28 assists, something like that. Maybe 44 points, but not off to that kind of start just yet. But it's still really early. I think more importantly is he's going to want to stay healthy. That's probably more or less the most important thing for him right now. And we'll finish it off with the Winnipeg Jets. Nikolai Ehlers in nine games, two goals, two assists, four points. So, again, that's not bad. It's just not what you would want out of Nikolai Ehlers, especially now uh, there might be a little bit more ice time for him available without Wheeler there. Um, it, You know, I know he's been dealing with some injuries, and, yeah, it, it might be a little bit of a slow start for him. I can see him picking that back up and, and hopefully getting – I don't know if he'll – I don't know. Oh, fuck, did he – was he a point-of-game guy before? Let's take a look at the career stats of Nikolai Ehlers. I mean, no, I think at, at best he was a 60-ish point guy if he can get back up to there. I think more or less you're going to want, it'd be really great if you could get like a 25 goal season out of him this year. He has never hit 30 goals, but he's been close. Uh, The way that it has started this year, it's going to be tough for him to hit 30 goals or anything like that. But again, similar to Byram, you're just going to want him to stay healthy. That would be ideal. Now, I was going to end the show, but I just realized that I, I hadn't really talked about the Toronto Maple Leafs yet this episode. So... Uh, they're playing the Los Angeles Kings, I believe, tonight, and I don't know, like, right now, they're just kind of rolling, right? I didn't get to see a lot of the, the Dallas Stars game. I, I just, you know, gotta work, so you, you don't get a, I don't get to watch every single game. The Predators game, uh, that was 
it was definitely disappointing, but that was fucking UC Saros stealing the game right there. Now, me personally, I find that the Leafs get goalied a lot. I feel like this is something that is a regular occurrence. And I feel like they have a problem with, like, adjusting their game when they do happen to run into a hot goaltender. When you run into a hot goaltender, you're not going to beat him from distance. You're you're going to have to get some, er, like, ugly, greasy, disgusting goals. Get in front of the net, get some screens, get shots from the point, get some dirty rebounds, something like that. Now, I don't know. That's something that uh, I'll have to keep an eye on and see if that is something that they're, uh, if they are actually, like, Uh, still shooting a lot from the outside or if they are or are not developing or changing their game on the fly I know that's kind of always been a problem and I still see a lot of the same problems with this team that I've seen for years and years now mostly related to defensive uh, problems and maybe some uh, deficiencies in the bottom six maybe not getting as much uh, depth scoring out of some of those players right there but We'll take a look. We'll take a look at, uh, like, we know the big boys are rolling right now. Like, Willie, 12 points in eight games. You got Johnny. I mean, can we give some love to John Tavares, ladies and gentlemen? I fucking love John Tavares. 11 points in eight games. Let's absolutely go. The guy is amazing. Matthews, 10 points. Marner is probably the slowest one. In eight games, he's only got seven points, but... Kind of looks like he's starting to get going. You definitely, definitely doesn't look like Mitchie Marner out there right now. He looks a little tight, a little tense. He's got to loosen up. That's when Marner plays the best when he's having fun and, and shit like that. Morgan Riley off to a great start. Klingberg is putting up points. And let's go down here to the bottom. So we know that Ryan Reeves is going to be down there at the bottom. Fraser Mitten gotten set back down, which, I mean, we, we know that was going to happen. Uh, Pontus Hoberg is getting into some games now, which is nice. Uh, I like that player. William Legison got into a game on defense, which, uh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's okay. Lilligren, I'm still I'm very, very nervous with him. TJ Brody doesn't look... Uh, quite right this season. Maybe maybe some people were right about the buying out of TJ Brody. I'm not saying he's playing bad. It's just like something looks off with TJ Brody this year. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Giordano's been my boy right now. This dude. Oh, I love Giordano so much. He's so fucking awesome. Matthew Nyes is starting to get it going too. So, I mean, the team is rolling. Uh, we, we uh, You know, Ilya Samsonov is still... Yeesh, uh, pretty bad, man. He's got an 841 save percentage and a 398 goals against. Uh, he is getting wins, so is he going to be like our Martin Jones this year where uh, he's just a fucking nightmare to watch play, but he gets the wins? But then there's Joseph freaking Wall, baby, the Wall of Fame. 961 save percentage, a 133 goals against average. So I think it is safe to say at this moment in time, Joseph Wall is the bona fide starter of your Toronto Maple Leafs, but that can change next week. That can change in the game tonight. What if Joseph Wall lets in seven tonight? And then, I don't know, Samsonov gets a shutout and then the roles are reversed. It's Goalies are too random and, and, and wacky, but... I can't say that I saw a 961 save percentage uh, there for Joseph Wall, but fuck am I ever happy that it is there. And he's playing fantastically, man. He looks like he is fitting in really well with the team as well. In the Nashville game, I saw him on the bench. He's laughing, smiling, having a good time. So that's that's a very encouraging. Like I'm not saying that Samsonov is like a crusty old fuck or anything, but he Definitely seems a little like a goaltender, like maybe a little bit more introverted, a little more, you know, in there and and morazic. I I never liked the 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 
body language and just everything about, I don't know, the aura of Mrazik when he was a Leaf. It just felt very bad, and he would always stare down his players and stuff like that. It's just not a good look, but I do not see that out of Joseph Wallman. I really, he passes the eye test in just about every single way. Looks nice, calm, and collected in the net. He looks happy and and having fun when he's off the off the ice and yeah man very very encouraging start for joseph wall it's about fucking time the leafs had a a goaltender prospect come through and and be decent because they've had so fucking many of them and it just so happens every time we give one of them away that's the one that becomes good to caress but you know joseph wall looking good so far let's hope that he can keep this up as a 961 uh save percentage uh Achievable to uh, maintain that for the rest of the season. I doubt it, but if he does, that's going to be a Vesna, and it could be a fucking Stanley Cup. So we'll see where that goes. I'm, uh, we'll we'll keep an eye on that goaltending situation. I mean, it's it's no contest right now. One guy's got a 961, the other guy's got an 841. So I don't know what to say. I mean, Samsonov's got to get it going. I do not like the way that he plays. Uh, he's not passing my eye test personally. He looks very all over the place. He does not look comfy at all. So. Got to figure that one out. Hopefully he does really soon. And yes, so thank you everybody so much for listening. You guys are awesome. If you want to uh, listen to these or watch these on YouTube, you may do that at GamerGX Videos. The link is down there in the description. If you want to send in questions, comments, concerns to the podcast related to hockey, video games, or wrestling, be my guest. Send in your questions. Leave a comment on the YouTube channel. There's an email address as well. And, of course, there is a Twitter page where I put up uh, announcements and kind of plans, schedules, and stuff like that. And, yeah, so if you want to follow along with that, that would be great. If you want to review this podcast, I'd really, really appreciate that and all that great stuff. Go check out the YouTube channel, subscribe, and all that great stuff. And we will be back again soon with some more GX Plus cast. Go, Leafs, go. You better whoop the shit out of those kings.